Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Good morning, C3 Noosa. It is so good to be with you all this morning. I remember last time I was here was the weekend uh, that this global pandemic just changed everything. So I think I was preaching for you guys on the weekend when I got rung uh, by our church in Adelaide and basically got told, you know, Tim, you need to get home. And I think by that next weekend, I couldn't preach at our church. Our whole church got closed down and I think yours did as well. So that was the last weekend I was with C3 Church Noosa. I did get to preach in your church, but on returning back home, basically within that week, I think our prayer meeting got cancelled, our service got cancelled, and then we basically just went into, I think, exactly what you guys tried to do as well and have done well, which is go online. I think by that Sunday, we had a team of people put together some cameras and different things and we slowly progressed. Anyway, back in Adelaide, we're blessed because we're, we are able to meet together again now, which is absolutely awesome. And I know in talking with Christian and Melissa, they cannot wait for the day where you guys can meet again. They are trying to do everything they can uh, to make sure they can find a spot to meet. But what an interesting time it is for the church. What an uh, interesting time it is to be a Christian. But anyway, I've got a message on my heart and the topic of my message or the title would be revival. Now, I know that is kind of an interesting word. If you've been a Christian for any amount of years, you, I'm sure you would have heard that word before, the, the word revival. And to be honest, when I felt God give me this message, it was, it was interesting because I had a few different ideas on, on what to preach. And uh, one of them was I was going to preach on joy and another topic, I thought, I'll preach on the church, that would be good. And then I just had this on my heart, this that word, revival. And instantly, the moment I thought of revival, I just thought, no, nah, don't do that. No, that's, that's never going to happen. So out of all the, the topics I was thinking, that topic of revival, I felt the most resistance. I felt the most pushback. It was like the moment I thought, I want to preach on revival... It was like straight away I thought, no, don't do that. That's that's never going to happen. That's not reality. Uh, people are going to think that's just silly. I started thinking that was a silly idea. It was just like all of a sudden it's like the enemy's just like, no, you're not talking about, you're not talking about that. That is not happening. And so based on the level of resistance I felt, I was like, well, this is the topic I'm going to talk on then. It's interesting that like, you know, it's, I guess if we're going to go in one direction and you feel no resistance, you kind of wonder if the devil even cares if you go in that direction. But when you choose to make a stand or you choose to see something happen for God and suddenly you do feel that level of like pushback, that sort of actually excites me. I think to myself, well, I must be on the right track here. Um, so this guy, I want to read the scripture out. It's in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. It's the story of Elijah... Ahab and Jezebel. So let's just read it out in verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, uh, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. Elijah had basically just killed 450 prophets of Baal. These Effectively, they were 400 people that were worshipping uh, demonic spirits and all different things like that. So uh, 
That's why Jezebel says, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you. And, but the weird thing is Jezebel gives them 24 hours notice. She says, you know, I'm going to give you 24 hours, but by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. So it's a, it's an absolute threat. It's a, it's a mental, you know, it's a mental threat. She's trying to put fear into him. She's basically on that, on that word. She is trying to discourage him. If you think of the word discourage, the word discourage literally means someone is trying to take courage out of you. Something has happened. Something's happened in your life. And the purpose of whatever happened to you was to try and remove courage from you. If I was going to encourage someone, I'm trying to put courage in them. So uh, God is actually always trying to put courage in us. Uh, When God says to Joshua, he says, be strong and be courageous. That's the attitude that God is actually trying to get into you is is a attitude of courage, not discouragement. So with this word that Jezebel said to Elijah, she said, you know, by this time tomorrow, you're going to die. She's trying to put fear into him. She's trying to discourage him. And then, and you would think Elijah, who's just had this massive victory on Mount Carmel, he's just literally slaughtered 400 demon worshipping people. You would think he'd be just strong enough just to go like, whatever, crazy lady. I don't care what you say. It's not coming near me. But for some reason, if we read, we read on, Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Why he himself went, that's a key. He, he basically, one of the first things he did was isolate himself. He left his servant behind. While he himself went a day's journey to the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Elijah was an amazing man of prayer. He had, at one point, he had prayed that it wouldn't rain and that there would be a famine and that it didn't rain. That's why he was kind of in this predicament. And then he, he prayed again that it would rain and it did rain. So here's this, like when he prays, God listens, something happens. When Elijah prays, everything he prays happens. In this moment, he's praying that he would die. Aren't you glad that God doesn't answer all of your prayers? Imagine if God had answered his prayer. I pray that God, you'd just kill me, finish it. And God's like, I'm not answering that one. I'm pretty convinced that there are certain things that we've prayed for at times. And I'm glad that God hasn't answered them. Maybe we're not ready for it. Maybe it's just the wrong season. Maybe we're not mature enough, whatever it might be. But I just love that thought that he prayed and God's like, yeah, not answering that one. So he has this big winch. He was afraid. He's a, he falls asleep. He's tired. He's worn out. He's just fatigued. He's just, he's come to the end of himself. And all, all of those things, fear, tiredness, that it's like they all work together. In fact, when you're tired, you're definitely more, uh, more vulnerable to a negative word or a criticism like he had just received. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around there by his head, some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. Uh, And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing? What are you doing, Elijah? What are you doing? This is like, 
such an interesting thing when God is asking someone that, what are you doing? If God is ever asking you what you're doing, he's not really looking for information. When he was in the Garden of Eden, he said to Adam and Eve, where are you? He knew where they were. He wasn't looking for their location. He knew where they were. When he's asking Elijah, where are you? What are you doing here, Elijah? It's not for God to know. It's for Elijah to know. He's trying to get Elijah to understand how have I arrived here? What's happened in my life? I've got to figure out. I've got to follow, like retrace my steps. How did I get here? And it's not really even like the physical steps. It's like it's like trying to come get a picture in your mind of well, actually what's happened. What's happened? How have I found myself in this place? And so I'm thinking it's not even like a location thing. I'm thinking it's more even just like a mental thing. How have I arrived at this place in regard to my belief? in regard to my faith, in my regard to the, to allow fear to come into my life, in regard to like I've stopped believing God for healing, I've stopped believing God for revival, I've stopped believing God that the church is going to grow, I've stopped believing God the church is going to be built, I've stopped believing for my friends to come to faith, I've stopped believing for my family to get saved, to spend eternity in heaven and not hell. What's happened? How did I arrive here where suddenly now I'm no longer believing for these miraculous things? We serve a miraculous God. By the very power of God, he had just slayed 450 prophets of Baal. He, with, his, with his own sword, he'd done this. Our God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Our God went around the earth praying for people, seeing miracles happen. We serve a miraculous God. So the point is, how have you got here to this place where you're no longer believing God? where you're no longer passionate to, to stand and read your Bible, where you're no longer passionate to spend time praying, where, you're, where there's certain, maybe even like, I know some people got, you know, we've been saved or been a Christian for a while. And when you first got saved, you, God put dreams in your heart. Maybe you'd seen yourself preaching. Maybe you were going to be a leader. Maybe you were going to lead a connect group. Or maybe you saw yourself singing and worshiping God up the front of church. And like God put dreams on the inside of you. And now you're at this place where you've, you've let those things go. You've decided, no, that, that's never going to happen. I'm too old now. It's not going to happen. And you've actually put those things down. This message actually comes out of a place because I've realized I've done this in my life as well. Uh, recently, I was praying and there were things that God had said to me as a young Christian about, about our church, about the church growing and about people coming to Christ. I remember having this uh, vision once of like this, like a photo album. And it was while I was praying and this photo album was just like literally the pages were flicking and there were all these faces of all these different people. And in this prayer time, I was I was crying, I was bawling my eyes out and all these different faces. And I was like, I said to God, like, who are all these people? Because I didn't know any of them. And God said to me in those early days, these are all people that are going to come to your church. And I, I remember at the time I was so full of faith. I was like, yes, they're like, and I was, you know, thinking I was totally convinced that it was going to happen. That, and as the years went on, I, I came to this place of, no, nah, no, nah, our church is never going to go beyond a certain size. Like it'll always just be like this and, We've done our best. We've put our best foot forward. We've, tr- we've read all the books. We've tried everything. We've been to all the conferences. Nah. And it's like this where I've given up. And recently praying, I'm, I was at home in my lounge room praying. And this that whole thought came back into my mind where I literally felt like God say to me, why have you put those things down? Why have you stopped believing for them? I haven't stopped believing for them. I'm the God that put them in you. 
you're the one that stopped believing for them. And it was like, I'm the one that had put them down. And God said, I didn't put them down. And I, I never asked you to stop asking for them. And I'm, But I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but they might not happen. And God's like, yeah, they might not happen because you've stopped asking. You've stopped believing. And this is this whole thought around revival, around that it's not actually, if we think of revival, the church needs revival or the church needs to do this or the people need to do that or the pastors need to do more. No, 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 we need a revival. You need a revival. I need a revival in me. This story is because Elijah needed a revival in him. He had gotten tired. He had gotten worn out. He'd come to this place where he's praying, you know what, God, just flip and kill me. End it now. God's like, I'm not going to answer that prayer. It says, the word of the Lord came, what are you doing here? What are you, C3 Noosa, what are you doing here? What are you doing in Noosa? What are you doing in your city? Let me tell you, I know the, the isolation thing, the, the COVID stuff, it, it, 100%, it is annoying. But the days are coming when your church is going to be back together gathering. And I'm praying and believing that even before that happens, you can start believing and praying that when that day happens, when you can finally start to meet, and I'm telling you, it's not long, it's soon. And when that day happens, make sure you show up with a spirit of revival in you. Make sure you show up bringing family and friends. Whatever you've got to do to stir yourself up again, take this opportunity to not just, oh, let's just relax and, you know, what's the point? No, take the opportunity right here, right now to stir Stir yourself up to get a spirit of revival on the inside of you. And so that when the church comes back, like you're ready, you're charged, you're full of faith, you're full of belief again. So that's the word. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he says, he replied, I have been very zealous. I have been. In the past, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. This is what he says. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me as well. The Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord passed by. The great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks. The Lord came in an earthquake. Basically, Elijah goes to the mouth of this cave. He stands there and God passes by. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went and stood out in the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replies with the same thing. I have been very zealous. The Israelites have rejected your name. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me. The Lord said, go back the way you came. And he gives him a job. He says, go anoint this other king. Go anoint this other Jehu guy. He's going to kill everyone that you couldn't kill. He says, go and find Elisha. Anoint Elisha. Elisha, you're going to train up Elisha. In verse 18, it says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down. This is, this is the point. He had come to the end of himself. He had thought that that's it. It's my final thing. And the reality is when he anoints Elisha, Elisha receives a double portion of the Spirit of God. Elisha goes on to do twice the amount of miracles that Elijah did. Why is that? Because Elijah had twice as much in him than what he realized. There was more in Elijah than what he'd come to realize. Yes, he'd worked hard. Yes, he'd worked He'd worked long. Yes, he'd become tired. Yes, he'd prayed a prayer. Kill me now. But I'm telling you, there is more in you. It is not the end 
of, of days. There is so much more in you, in this church. And so my word of an encouragement to you is to realize that, uh, that literally revival starts in us. Make a decision today that I'm going to do something. I'm going to change something. Where are you here? Where are you in your head? Sometimes he says, says, go back the way you came. You've got to retrace your steps. How have I arrived here? It's not a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. Some of it's a mental thing. Certain things have happened in life. We've gone through tests and trials, and it's allowed us to now, we've arrived at this perspective. We've got a perspective about the future. Does that perspective reflect a spirit of revival? Or does that perspective reflect an attitude of it's too hard, it's too much, I'm giving up? Revival starts in us. Let me, let me pray for you as we close. But Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for every person listening today. Father, I pray a spirit of revival get in them where, where there have been dreams let go of, there have been hopes let go of, things have felt like it's all too much. I'm praying and believing right now in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name, which every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. Father, you are, you are the head, you are not the tail, you are above, you are not beneath, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm praying a spirit of revival going to every person listening this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let a double portion of that anointing that breaks off every yoke, breaks off every bondage, touch every person in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Even if you're at home now, give God a hand because he is good. And then, and then I'm getting excited here just on my own. Anyway, One last thing before we go. If you've listened this morning and you've never prayed a prayer where you've actually asked Jesus Christ into your heart, I'd love for you to do that right now. Or maybe you're with someone and they've not prayed it, just give them a nudge and just say, hey, you should probably do this right now. Maybe you've done that once before, but you've just been away from God and you need to reconnect or you're feeling like you're just feeling flat and that you, you want that spirit of revival back in you. I'd want to, I want to pray for all those three things. You've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart and you want to do that this morning. You're feeling disconnected and you want to come back to God and, and get reconnected. Or you just need that fresh spirit. Let's just, let's all pray this together. You, wherever you are, pray it after me in the name of Jesus. So say these words. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord And as my saviour, make me your child, God. Forgive me for anything I've done that has offended you. Make me brand new on the inside. Give me that spirit of revival. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.